epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. This is the sermon text today. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today our scripture that we are preaching on is from that text in Romans and we've been following this message series, Made Right, as God makes us right by His declaration Our faith is counted to us as the righteousness of Christ. Today we talk about the right love. And as we talk about the right love, I want you to picture in your mind what is your greatest need. We all have needs, we all have wants, but what is your greatest need? Paul says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? If we take the first few of those, tribulation, distress, and persecution, these all should strike you as what we face as Christians who live our faith out in the world. And the world is against that, and so we experience those things as a result. But then famine and nakedness and danger and sword, those are more of just general life circumstances that everybody encounters at some point or another. Famine is a scarcity of food. Nakedness is a scarcity of goods. Danger is a scarcity of safety, and a sword is scarcity of peace. As we were reviewing those things this week, it brought to my mind uh, when I was in In college, my minor was psychology, and I remembered this psychologist named Maslow. And Maslow put together what he called this hierarchy of needs. And at the bottom of that hierarchy of needs, the most basic needs 
were those that were physiological, things like food, clothing, or shelter. And then once you had that established, then there was the second layer of need that had to do with safety, personal security, health. And then after that came other relational types of needs that have to do with esteem and love and belonging and self-actualization. But there's a problem with that order of need. See, when we go down to those most basic needs of shelter and food and clothing, what happens when those physiological needs are threatened? When the diagnosis comes from the doctor or a loved one passes away or your career comes to an end or storms beat against your house and lightning strikes, well, if those are your most basic, most important needs, then worry and fear and doubt can creep into your heart. See, Jesus would call those things our daily bread. And when fear of not having your daily bread, when that runs your life, what happens when your most important needs are no longer met? Well, life can quickly lose hope. But Paul explains that God turns this hierarchy of needs upside down, right? The most important need that we have has absolutely nothing to do with tangible things or general suffering in this world. See, Paul describes what's called a, a disciple's hierarchy of needs. And first and foremost in that comes our need for esteem, for love, for belonging, for what Maslow calls self-actualization, the esteem. That's the respect, the self-esteem, the status, the recognition, the strength, and the freedom resting in our security that our faith has been counted to us as righteousness, that our identity through the waters of our baptism is in Christ, and that we have been justified through Him. As we think about what that means to be a disciple here at St. Luke's, that's a transformed life of freedom. And then Paul says there's this longing and belonging, this love and belonging, this friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. Well, that's knowing that Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters and that he draws us into an intimate family relationship with the Father whom we worship and adore. And here at St. Luke's, that's a transformed life of joy. And then what Maslow calls self-actualization that's to become the most that we can be. But Paul would say it's not really self-actualization. It's Christ-actualization. As the Holy Spirit conforms us and transforms us into the image of Christ. Well, that's the transformed life of renewal. And with these needs all met, which Maslow would say are the top needs, not the most important, but the top one. But when these needs are met then those bottom, most basic needs? Well, we can look at our safety and even our physiological needs as being less important. And we, we really have no need to live out of scarcity, but we can live out of generosity knowing that God will continue to be faithful to His promise to provide our daily bread. And so we can be generous with it and pour it out for the well-being of others, for the kingdom of God in such a way that it changes our lifestyle. And that's the transform life of sacrifice.
And see, God's love, God's love is the right love, the biggest need we have. Today, I want you to remember three basic things. Number one, God's love is our greatest need. Number two, God's love is sovereign. And number three, God's love is permanent. Number one, God's love is our highest need. This has an amazing connection to the gospel reading read by Pastor Sam just moments ago when we have this treasure in this field and this pearl of great price. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And what Jesus is not saying is that when we somehow stumble across this amazing treasure of the kingdom of God, we should be willing to spend everything just to own it. Instead, he's saying, the kingdom of God is like Jesus finding you. And being willing to spend any price, even his very life, to obtain you, such as his great love for you. Paul writes today that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This reiterates the incredible love that God places on us, that he was willing to sacrifice so much for us, and now that he has us as that treasure in the field, the pearl of great price, he will continue to value us and to provide all that we need, including the security of knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God. God gave up his son for you, for me. And now that he has us, he will do all that it takes to provide for us. Paul says that he will graciously give us all that we need, the good and the bad, to shape us into the image of Christ. All things. And then he will start to conform us into the image of Christ. And this is, I don't want you to miss this. This is really cool because not only does does God adopt us as his own sons and daughters, And as somebody who has been adopted in their life and who has adopted in their life, I understand and appreciate the value of bringing somebody into your family and saying, you now have all the rights and privileges of what it means to be a Culbertson. But Paul says even more than that, because I don't look like my stepdad and my daughter looks nothing like me, we will become with all the characteristics of Christ, we'll become people who look like we belong in the family of God. That's powerful. Let that sink in. Because that's exactly how the Father sees you right now. He sees you as Christ. Let that sink in. And that's how we are to see one another as Christ. And so we serve and we love one another and we love Christ. God's love is our greatest need. Number two, God's love is sovereign. Paul writes, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his good purpose. And this text comes within the context of last week's text that had to deal with our suffering So who is this those who love God people? How do we know if we belong in that category? Well, John writes in his gospel, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. You see, love in this context is not a fleeting feeling, an easy thing to say. It is revealed by obedience. 
How are we to show our love for God and our love for others? We keep the Ten Commandments. Not because by keeping them we will justify ourselves and earn our way into heaven, but because God has justified us and purchased our way to heaven, now out of gratefulness we get to show our love to Him by obeying. So those who keep the Ten Commandments in thoughts and words and actions, and when we fail, we come to God in repentance and receive His grace and His strength and His power to do better. Those are those who love God. So those who love God, all things work together for good. So what are the all things? Well, the all things include the great and wonderful things that we encounter, as well as, unfortunately, those things that are difficult or painful. And as I consider the difficult and painful things that I'm encountering today, right now, I do well to remember the difficult and painful things that God allowed me to experience in my past, to be able to see how He's worked even those things to my good, so that I know that in this moment when I suffer or struggle, that it's not going to be wasted, but that God will use even this for the good of the kingdom, for the good of me. See, God's track record is perfect. And when we remember that track record and we recall it, it gives us faith and confidence in the moment right now. And the word good, I want to talk about that just a little bit. All things work for the good of those who love Him. Sometimes in the English language, good can be like, well, it's not my first choice. It's okay, I guess. That's fine. I want you to know good does not equal fine. You have to go back to Genesis chapter 3 when God steps back from all that, excuse me, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when God steps back from all that he created, looks at how everything turned out, recognizes that it is exactly how he envisioned it in his mind. It is perfect. He says that it is good. Oh, that's that's a far different thing than fine. You see, good is perfect. Good is according to God's plan. Good is exactly how it is supposed to be. And so think about that, that God works all things, the great things in your life, the difficult things in your life, to the good. Like exactly how he wants it to be. That's how good God works it in your life. So God's love is sovereign. That means that all things, all things, God has the power to to pull together and use to your good. Now, if I think about all my favorite things and powers that God has, of course, my favorite is his grace and mercy, his willingness to love me and forgive me and give me life everlasting. That's my favorite, of course. But my second favorite superpower of God is his sovereignty. Nothing happens by mistake, not even my mistakes, because God can use even my mistakes to bless me. That's an amazing power of God. God's love is our greatest need. God's love is sovereign, and God's love is permanent. 
Paul says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a very comprehensive list of things. And not one of them can separate us from the love of God. Neither life nor death. This is nothing in the human experience. Neither angels nor demons. Nothing in the spiritual realm. Neither the present nor the future. Nothing having to do with time. Any powers. Anything that opposes God's people. Neither height nor depth. This is issues in space. In all creation, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves us because he loves us, and he always will. God's love is our greatest need. God's love is sovereign, and God's love for you is permanent. And let that bring your heart peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.